Welcome to PNB's Conversation Series. In this episode, Pacific Northwest Ballet Artistic Director Peter Boll interviews choreographer Alexei Ratmansky on the eve of his world premiere ballet, Wartime Elegy. Thanks for listening. with Peter Bohl. Uh, they'll be talking about Alexei's new work, Wartime Elegy, which you will see during the dress rehearsal, along with George Balanchine's Allegro Volante and Kent Stoll's Carmina Burana. I'm very happy to turn the microphone over to our artistic director, Peter Bohl. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thanks, Doug. It's so nice to be able to get back to these. Um, can you hear me all right? Okay, good. Not very well. It's been two and a half years. <laughs> There's some things we forgot. <laughs> well, I'm so pleased to have Alexei Ratmansky here. Um, he has made, I mean, I shouldn't go describing it, but an exquisitely beautiful piece for us, uh, which you're about to see tonight. And it's still being worked on a little bit, isn't it, here and there? some costume decisions um, and some lighting decisions, but I know you have Alexei's bio in your program. I'm not going to take a great deal of time talking about it. Um, Alexei is currently the resident choreographer for American Ballet Theater, was also the director of the Bolshoi Ballet, and danced with three prominent companies in his career. The list of where he's choreographed is so long that it would take this entire time to say it, so I won't. Um, but we are truly honored to have Alexei with us here at Pacific Northwest Ballet. Welcome. Pleasure is mine. Thank you. Alexei was here to work on pictures at an exhibition four years ago, and I said something to him at dinner. I said, you know, I know how busy your, how your phone rings, and um, you, you probably would never have time to create something on Pacific Northwest Valley. And he said, oh, really? And that was all I needed. So, so we've been trying to make this happen, um, and it's been beautiful to see it come together. We're undoubtedly going to talk about Ukraine, because that is an influential force in this work. Um, would you mind just starting with your connection to that country? I grew up in Kiev, yeah. um, and um, my, my dad is a Ukrainian Jew, mom is Russian. Uh, and my first years as a dancer were in, uh, in Kiev. Six years, National Opera of Ukraine, beautiful theater and wonderful company. Yeah. I hope your family is, is well um, and safe. They're okay. They're in Ukraine, and the family of my wife is in Ukraine also, so it's constant worry. Yeah. Alexei, if you followed Alexei, a lot of his work has been centered around Ukraine of late, of course. Um, he is an artist, and this is the first work that you've choreographed since the invasion started, correct? True, yeah. And uh, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to use Ukrainian music as something that I haven't done before, even though some of my works are Ukrainian themed. Mm -hmm. But it was, uh, one was on Prokofiev's on the Dnieper. Prokofiev mm -hmm, right. was born in Ukraine, but of course he was Russian, and he wrote one ballet for Sergei Far, another famous Ukrainian who directed uh, Paris Opera for uh, 30 years or something. Yeah. 
yeah, he was uh, uh, one of the last big Jagged stars and he stayed in Paris to direct Paris. Yeah. So this uh, on the Dnieper uh, wasn't performed since 1930s, since its premiere, but uh, we, we did it at ABT. And another Ukrainian ballet that I made uh, was on the music of Desetnik, of Lenin Desetnik, a Russian composer of Ukrainian origins um, for City Ballet. Uh, Odessa and also Bukovinian songs for everything. But this time I chose the music of Valentin Silvestrov. He's a probably most famous Ukrainian composer. Now I believe he is in Berlin. He had to flee the war and uh, he's in his 80s and his music is very beautiful. It's uh, minimalist but it's, uh, uh, it's melodic at the same time. So very profound and deep. It seems absolutely filled with emotion, too. I know maybe I'm seeing it through the context of your work, but it seems so ripe for uh, rich emotions. Um, so, Silvestrov, um, this is the first time you said you'd, you've worked with his music in particular. There are two painters that are represented um, that we'll see on the backdrop, and that's Maria Primchenko. Yeah, she's a famous Ukrainian primitive artist. Um, unfortunately, her, uh, she, she died years ago or something and she's a big name in Ukraine but her uh, her house uh, which is a museum was bombed by Russians and uh, destroyed but his works were saved mm -hmm. um, I re there's an account of this as I was reading about Maria and um, I guess everything was on fire and there are people running into the fire to grab the works um, and apparently they were able to grab 10 of 22 works that were in the house and the other 12 were lost. Yeah, well, she's a, a national treasure of Ukraine. Another artist uh, whose work um, we used is uh, Matvey Weisberg. Mm -hmm. He is uh, a friend and he lives in Kiev. Um, we met when I just started my career at National Opera um, and uh, yeah, all of us spent a lot of time together in his studio. He's a wonderful artist. Um, he also had to flee the war and uh, he was in Munich and uh, he drew um, uh, ancient uh, Greek sculptures in Glyptotech mm -hmm. in Munich and uh, that image we use uh, of his and also for the finale we use another Greek themed mm -hmm. image of his representing the uh, representing Nike, the, the goddess of victory. Right. Yeah. It's quite poignant that Nike comes just at the end. Um, and it's a statement all on its own. So, Do you mind talking about, um, as this invasion began, um, the circumstances around where you were and what happened? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that okay. uh, in a second. I just want to say that I've never considered myself a political artist. That's yeah. something that I... Uh, as a young choreographer, never paid attention to. Remember, we were, um, what was that, early 90s, 91, I think. We were on tour in Mexico and heard that Gorbachev was arrested. It was a coup d'etat. Um, they wanted to go back to Soviet times. And uh, I remember, um, and I'm ashamed to remember how careless we were. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it didn't matter much. We just wanted to enjoy ourselves. And, uh, you know, I was concentrated on my choreography and dancing. 
But since invasion, uh, something changed, and I've never, I've never, I've never felt that Ukrainian. I, I was always, you know, I like to think of myself as a cosmopolitan. I, I traveled around, and uh, when this uh, the Iron Curtain fell, you know, it was an amazing time when you can actually leave the country and allow to go back. You just sign a contract and you work wherever you want. Right. Yeah, it's thanks to Gorbachev. So, um, now I think it's a, it's a tragic time for Ukraine, but it's also a very extraordinary time because it's, you know, the country has never been that united. And people like me who, who left Ukraine a long time ago to work abroad and to study abroad, I studied in Moscow. We, most of us, feel so connected to our country. And I think it's the beginning of a, of a new era for Ukraine after the war is over mm -hmm. and the wounds are healed. I think it's, it's a new renaissance because it's, yeah, the, the spirit of the country is so strong. More than 90% of Ukrainian support, Zelensky support the army, and uh, we are so united and you know in supporting this fight for freedom yeah. and independence. It's quite amazing. Yeah, it's it's interesting how aspects of your one's personality can be stirred and woken, and they become a guiding force. I've seen that with many people that I know, but a beautiful thing it can be. Your wife is Ukrainian. Yes, she is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say the music, uh, it's Silvestrov, but it's also, you have some other music in there. Will you talk about that? Because I think it's almost a window into Ukrainian culture. It, yeah, I didn't plan, I, I just wanted Silvestrov, and uh, as I started to choreograph, I felt that something um, contrasting is needed, because it was, um, it was just meditative and slow and lyrical and sad. So um, I had this recording of uh, Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian Canadian orchestra playing from 1930s. Very curious sound. Of course, it's very retro, and you you know the recording is not of a good quality. And there are some spoken words also in old Ukrainian. It sounds funny, uh, but um, I thought that using a couple of uh, pieces from that from that CD would actually give um, an interesting drama to the ballet. And that's, uh, that's when we decided to use Primachenko also, because she's very, very folk, very naive, very straightforward, and uh, quite wild in the colors. Yeah, the colors are quite different from the Weisberg works as well. So, um, yeah, the, and there's spoken word, um, a bit of it. I, I think this was sort of funny because Alexei put it in so that the dancers had more time for a costume change, but it's like four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like an eternity when you have a, a quick change. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But then get one sock on. And but also, I, I just something about that music because the I was sort of sold on the on the on the sadness and the the emotion at the beginning, and then it's just a wash with joy and fun and playful, and and we see a lot of that in this work, which sort of makes the humani humanity the culture even more vivid. But um. it's sort of a, um, I mean, in the bigger picture, it reflects the situation when the most peaceful nation, you know, living everyday life, 
they all have their dogs, their families, their grandparents, yeah. and plans to go, you know, uh, planning summer vacations, and now suddenly, you know, they're bombarded, they're killed, they're, they're fleeing, uh, leaving everything behind. Uh, but this, what was extraordinary is to discover that Ukrainians never lose their sense of life, their humor, their you know ability to to survive, their survivors, yeah. because the history of, of the country, um, they have never lived quite life. They were always attacked by you know mostly by Russians or or or. Others, yeah. yeah, and the extraordinary resources of the region and the geographical location—it makes sense why people would want it. It's such a coveted um, space for so many reasons. But, right. Uh, Somehow Hitler also made yeah. plans, and he wanted Ukraine. Uh, he really paid special attention, and um, all of his forces were concentrating on Ukraine. Uh, but in reality, Ukraine was the center of this civilization because Kiev and Rus uh, in, uh, what is it, I'm afraid to mix up the dates, 10th century, 9th century, that's where the, um, the religion, Orthodox, comes from, of course borrowed from the Greeks, uh, and then the writing also. So when, when Kiev was an important European city, Moscow didn't exist yet. Yeah. Yeah, it has a, it's very ancient and there are some monasteries that date back to uh, 7, 8, 9 uh, centuries. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, this makes me want to know more. You have some other collaborators I'd love to talk about. Uh, Morris Younger is the costume designer. Uh, Wendell Harrington is working on projections. We talk a bit about them and if you've worked with them in the past. Yes, I did. With Wendell, we met first in Denmark. She did projections for my Anna Karenina in 2004. And since that uh, project, we had made five or six ballets together. And Moritz is a later discovery of mine. But uh, Moritz was in Moscow when the war started. We were both working on the full length ballet for the Bolshevik. It was a Bach's. Art, the art of fugue, mm. and uh, I did about two thirds of the choreography. It was to premiere in a few weeks, but uh, yeah, on the first day of the war, I grabbed him and the other members of the team and left. Yeah. Postponed. Um, it was yeah. officially it was postponed, but I don't believe it's, it can happen. Um, and I should say also that you're working with Reed Nakayama, who's, I imagine this is the first time you've worked with yes. Reed. He's our resident lighting designer, so it's nice to have um, Reed in the mix. So. I want to say also that our P&B costume shop has done a brilliant job creating costumes, sort of quickly, at the last minute. Um, what will people see in the costumes? There's some traditional... Uh, there are some, yeah, when we, because the, the folk part, the middle parts of the ballet is a, like later addition, so we had to, we had to think quickly and uh, Morris designed, um, it's very folk inspired, you have colors and you have this beautiful flowery, uh, what is it called, wreath? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, flower headpiece, yeah. which could be um, you know, enormous uh, 
and uh, very elaborate. But this is uh, a small, a, a small version of it, of course. And um, as you mentioned before, there's a quick change for dancers. Yeah. Slap a wreath on your head and go. Yeah. Basically. And the other, <laughs> and the other costume is, is quite abstract. It's, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. In darker tones, uh, brown, black. There were, um, Alexei has worked with us on four occasions for uh, Don Quixote, for Concerto DSCH, uh, for Pictures at an Exhibition, which was the most recent. But these dancers are mostly new. I think he'd worked with Kyle Davis, Angelica Generosa, Lizard, uh, Lizzie Murphy, yeah. 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 And Lucien. Lucien as well. Yeah. Yeah. Some new discoveries this time? Some? Yeah, I would mention Kai. Yeah, Koo. Koo, yeah. Koo, yeah. Sorry. Uh, it's part of Kai. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ku's been. Um, you'll see Ku tonight in the cast. Ku Sakuragi, um, relatively new to the company, but also went all the way through our school through the dance chance program. And Alexei said that. Oh, it's been uh, both casts um, um, very different, but uh, equally good. Good. And uh, it's been a pleasure to work with him. They've been working hard too, so <laughs> and improving. You can sort of see. I will tell you, it's sort of astounding that Alexei. Um, because of his schedule and our schedule, there's only 15 days to create the work from beginning to end. And um, sure enough, on the last day, you only needed two hours, but it was done, and, and, uh, and now this week. But I, I really look forward to this premiere tonight. Will you talk a little bit about Giselle? Because that's been a recent project that you've been restaging. Uh, so, uh, Giselle, yeah, I was very curious to see your version of it yesterday. Parts of it, unfortunately, I didn't see the whole production. I saw the recording. But we both uh, use the same sources, yeah. but the outcome is quite different. Yeah. I think we have different a different approach, uh, and you can uh, well, talk about yours. Is yours is not right, so that's how we do it. We'll tell it. We'll help you. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just kidding. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, there, there are these notations uh, that were made um, in early 1900s uh, uh, of uh, last production of Benzina. Uh, and choreography of Giselle, of course, is based on an old um, Paris original by Coralie and Perrault, but uh, it is Petitpas. So, his choreography was notated now, dark, uh, rizzard, um and I read it, and uh, we we we. It's it's similar, but it different. It's different in detail. So for me, it was very interesting. So, uh, the project that you were talking about is um, uh, United Ukrainian Ballet, a newly formed company that consists of Ukrainian refugee dancers. Uh, they come from different theaters, different companies in Ukraine. Some just come directly from the schools. Um, they are given uh, a base where they leave rehearse and receive money to, to leave um, in Hague, in Holland. Mm. That was quite an extraordinary project. Um, so um, we prepared this production and we toured Holland in August and then we were uh, in London's Coliseum for a week mm -hmm. and that's when Her Majesty the Queen died, and we thought everything was going to be cancelled. But actually, we had danced all the performances planned. Uh, and we had very good success. I'm very proud of this project because, um, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's for Ukraine. We all did it for Ukraine, yeah. Yeah, not for profit, but to to remind people that uh, Ukraine is strong and alive, and uh, the war continues. But uh, we're gonna win. You know, for you personally, it must have been hugely rewarding to bring this project to these dancers. What was it like for the dancers? Um, it's it's challenging because we all have, like I mentioned, our families are there. They have family members who are fighting. Mm -hmm. So their thoughts are constantly not, not there in the studio, but yeah. with their families. And um, on one hand, it's a good chance for them to concentrate on something else and do what they love and what they were trained for. But on the other hand, uh, it's not that easy. Yeah. It's not that easy. But uh, I think we were all very inspired by the reception and reviews were wonderful and uh, the quality of the performance, even though it's not a company, it's just a group of dancers who happened to be there together. Uh, the quality was uh, satisfying. So. Makes it all the more miraculous that it came together and there must have been such a spirit to be able to pull this project off. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, what's more amazing to think is that originally it was just a thought in the head of a uh, uh, Dutch ballerina, ex-principal with Ikonin de Jong. She had friends, Ukrainian friends, and they were so, you know, uh, desperate when it all happened. And then she said, what can we do? Let's, let's do a company, because the dancers are fleeing. And uh, at the beginning it was just, um, just I don't know, a few women uh, with kids. Uh, and then uh, gradually, because the men were not allowed to do the country, they needed special uh, permission. You know? And permission was uh, granted, and then uh, more than 60 dancers were finally together ready to, to, to rest. Yeah. I'm so pleased that's happened, and it sounds like it will continue to happen. They're headed for Australia, correct? Or yes, yes, they are. But of course, the idea is that this is a temporary mm -hmm. group that when uh, it's safe for them to return, they will return to their own to the companies, to their homes. Um, I mean, the, so much has been destroyed. And uh, let's, let's just talk about ballet schools and ballet students. They all left, and they probably will want to continue where they're based now. So it's like the whole generation is uh, lost. We'll need to start from scratch. Yeah. And so huge work to get and people won't come back anytime soon. They may come back, but also for dancers, you get rooted into a new training academy and yeah, you stay. Yeah, you're connected to your teacher and uh, you learn yeah. the repertoire of the company that you plan to join, so it's, it's difficult. Yeah. I think everybody is affected by what's happening, but, but you've lived so much in it and you're an artist. Do you feel like you are changed as an artist from two years ago to now or from one year ago to now? Uh, I've definitely changed as a person. Yeah. Um, the war situation uh, brings you in front of the choice. You face the choice. And it's, it's like, it's simple in a way. It's black or white. You either 
against the war for life and you support him to anything to support the country or you pro-war it sounds crazy but many of my colleagues in Russia are supporting the war I, I, I can't comprehend how a human being with hearts and brains can um, can have this point of view but that's reality and I think it's uh, 20 years propaganda, very sophisticated propaganda that made them believe that um, Russia has the right to invade another country to save the Russian-speaking population there. But that's a reality. And uh, when it started, I was trying to connect to um, the friends of mine, the close friends of mine, my classmates, the dancers that I worked for many, many years, very closely together, and were very attached to them, trying to explain with as little emotions as possible, just giving them the facts, saying, guys, maybe you don't know what is going on. Maybe, you, you know, your TV, I know that Russian TV is not giving them the uh, right picture, but uh, I received very few answers, and some of the answers were just horrible called me a traitor and um, yeah, it was, it was quite heartbreaking. Especially when they're friends and as you said, colleagues in many years. Of it's, it's like you have to, yeah, I have things, uh, more important things to worry about because, I mean, when your family is in, in, in danger, yeah. uh, it's, it's okay if you lose friends, but you just, you, you need to close the door. And uh, it's been more than 25 years of work. Um, I, don't, I don't think I have anything to compare that to, but I see divisions happening and friendships ending over often political issues in this country all the time. And I, I hope it's not the way we're headed, but um, I admire you for standing up and what you believe in and what you know, and I know there's no other choice but to do that. Um, yeah, no other choice. Yeah. You're right. Um, let me ask you, this is, you're always off somewhere else. What's, what's ahead for you? What, what comes after PNB? Uh, in New York, both ABC and uh, City Valley in their fall seasons before. I've heard of those companies, they're pretty good. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to get back to the studio with them and have um, some rehearsals. And then I have a project in Munich. New Foolings that premieres in December. Yeah. So tell us about that. Can you tell us about that? Or? Yes, I can. So it's a, it's an abstract work, symphonic work. Uh, the music is Tchaikovsky's uh, overtures, um, Shakespearean overtures. He composed Hamlet, Roman Juliet, and uh, The Tempest. And uh, yeah, um, so very little ambitions, of course. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, I love when you take on a project because you really dive in head first with research and I mean you you learned how to read Stepanov notation on your own, right? There wasn't anybody that taught you that. It's just part of the research. Yeah, um, yeah it's um, I think it's necessary if you stage classics and yeah. uh, I first stage classic uh, in Bolshoi. I need to do a Corsair, and uh, you just can't ignore the. The information that is there. Uh, 
Yeah, good. I'd like to um, offer you an opportunity to ask Alexei questions if you have any, um, certainly about his piece, Wartime Elegy, which we're about to see, or anything else you heard in this conversation. So, do we have anybody that's curious? Yeah, Sandy. You spent quite a lot of time working with the historic material, particularly through notation. And then you've also made bucket loads of work that is from you directly. Do you feel that as a, the more you work with the historical material, does it affect what you're making in a in more quote unquote original stuff? Could you speak a little bit about that? I'll just repeat that question quickly in case people didn't hear it, though Sandy's voice is so clear. Uh, reconstructing through historical resources, um, and also a great creator on your own, does the information you learn from the reconstruction affect the way that you create your own work? Yes, very much. Thank you for that question. Very much so. Um, the notations give you the, the it's like a vocabulary. It's a complete vocabulary, classical vocabulary. and. Uh, I constantly use the steps that I learn from meditations because uh, a big part of it is the movements that are not used anymore. They're lost, and uh, it just uh, I, I feel that my vocabulary uh, changed quite a lot since I learned how to read it. Are you a musician as well? Um, not really, even though I, I studied piano in school. Yeah. Um, and I do read score, but yeah, it's part of it. Other questions? Yeah, sure. Um, there's an author that writes on both uh, Ukraine and Russia. That's Masha Yesen. Are you familiar with that? Uh, yeah, I, I know her. Yeah. Uh, Ukrainian author by name? I didn't catch Masha that. Guess Masha Yesen. Okay. Yeah. You're familiar with her? Yeah, right? she's very interesting. Sure. Yeah. Um, so there are going to be audiences tomorrow and throughout the week that may be removed from the war in Ukraine. What do you hope that they get from your piece after watching it? Uh, the audiences next week that may not be informed or removed from the war in Ukraine. What would you hope that they get from seeing the piece? Um, well, I don't think it matters if they read what I put into it, um, or if they just, you know, take it as, as just a ballet, as a, as a, as a, a choreography, the steps combined with the music. Um, it's, it's a big question. I mean, what do, what do you expect from the audience? To, how do you expect the audience to react? I, I would love the audience to be moved. But I will be happy if they just enjoy the picture and uh, you know have a pleasant feeling at the end of it. Uh, I think the dancer is well. I mean, from what I've seen, they dance beautifully and they always put their hearts in what they do, and uh, that will I know establish the connection between the public and uh, the stage. And actually, that would be enough. If you're just, you know, impressed with the dancers' musicality and beauty, and applaud that, um, but uh, I do hope that there will be people who uh, who feel for Ukraine and uh, to listen to Ukrainian 
music and to see the Korean painting and uh, it all go like oh, Ukraine, yes, there is something in there. They're fighting and uh, love them. I asked some of the day, I think it was Angelica Generosa, I said, you know, how taxing is the piece? Like, how hard is it? And she said, it, it is hard, but it's, she said, ultimately, it's the emotional drain, and not drain, but the emotional investment that we put in that ends up being exhausting. Um, so I think they, they do feel it in a way that probably comes from you. Um, and the, music, the music is really haunting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm so looking forward to hear the orchestra playing. Because we've been rehearsing with wonderful Christina uh, singers. Yeah. Yeah. She's like an orchestra, but, but it's not the like orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, haunting, but also like so celebratory and joyous in the folk music. I love that, that counterbalance. Yeah, sure. You say you, you didn't used to feel like um, a political artist, that you never thought of yourself as a political artist. Do you, do you feel that way now? Great question. If you didn't necessarily think of yourself as a political artist, do you now? Hi, Marina. Good to see you. Um, I guess, I guess, uh, using. And what does it mean? Uh, I'm not sure yet, because I, I would hate that mess, political message to be forced on what I do. I just I feel a necessity to use the Ukrainian music. I wanted to connect uh, because he is not only the most famous Ukrainian composer, but he is also a, a wonderful composer. Uh, he composes the music that tells me something that I feel connection when I started to explore. Uh, but I don't like it to be uh, something that I have to do every time I choreograph. So we'll see. I'm, I'm trying to. It's hard to be too analytical about uh, the choreography or creation. I don't know. In my case, um, I, I I try to be to sense, to not force anything, to sense, and not to um, to go in a false way. Um, yeah. I have another question for you. Um, you can't not be exposed to or influenced by the work of Balanchine, uh, who is also proudly a Georgian and not a Russian. Um, was Balanchine part of your growing up and training? Was Balanchine mentioned uh, when you were studying? Uh, not in ballet classes, not only in the um, um, ballet history classes. Remember, Jagger period, he was he was mentioned. But uh, his ballets were not part of the repertory. Uh, New York City Ballet had not toured Moscow when I was studying, so it was very foreign territory for me. Mm -hmm. And the first time I saw Balanchine Ballet live was Monte Carlo Ballet in Moscow, I think, 1987 or 88. It was a Stravinsky Violin Concerto and Prodigal Son. Wow. It was a revelation. I yeah. just couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah. It was so exciting. Yeah. And Alexei was reminding me last night that he brought Serenade to the Bolshoi, and uh, Francia Russell was the stager that came to do it, which is a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. it was wonderful to have her. Yeah. Um, how has Balanchine influenced your work? 
Well, uh, I was still very much a dancer of focus on my dancing, and I felt that this is my repertoire because I never felt at home uh, in at the heroic solid style. Uh, I did have an elevation, but uh, I didn't have a coordination for many terrains in the air or something. And I was really interested in the transitions and the fast footwork. Something that my teacher in the Bolshevik school, Pyotr Pestev, He very much focused on that part of dancing, cleanness, musicality, and transitions. So when I actually joined Rolling Red Ballet the first time uh, in the West, for me, after six years in Kiev, the transition was not that difficult. Mentally it was difficult because I didn't like the idea that I need to learn something. I thought after the Bolshevik school, I can teach people how to dance, but I, that changed. Yeah. But physically, I could I could be fast or slow, you know, if if needed. Alexei is the most extraordinary demonstrator in the studio. Still fast <laughs> to this day, and all the partnering and all the high jumping, it's really impressive to see. Um, and there really is an excuse for the dancers if you're doing it, they should be able to do it. So. No, yeah. I'm like easy, yeah. just jump. Yeah. It's a sight to see. Question, yes. I was wondering if you could speak to some of the choreographers that are out there that you're excited by and why. Good question. Some of the other choreographers working today that excite you and why so? Oh, many. Uh, Mark Morris, his musicality is insane, understands your music. Uh, I love Pierre Lacoste's works, uh, all the younger ones. Uh, of, back to the older generation Forsyth. I uh, was hugely influenced by his experiments. Um, Hans von Mannen, all the younger ones, uh, Chris Weldon, Crystal Byte, uh, Justin Beck, many. Yeah. I like Kyle and Dennis' work very much, uh, what I've seen of his. Good list. <laughs> I have to tell Kyle he's on it. So. <laughs> yes? Can you talk a little bit about your process? Do you walk into the studio with really concrete ideas of all the steps, or do you kind of collaborate more with the dancers to kind of emerge what it becomes? I mean, can you talk a little bit about how you, you're working with that? I think so. The process, do you walk into the studio knowing what you do? Or do the dancers collaborate? Well, most, of the, most of the times I'm prepared to have uh, choreographic phrases or ideas in my head. I used to improvise a lot when I was uh, in good shape, and uh, <laughs> even though you, thanks for your compliments, <laughs> it's, it's very different now. Uh, so I sort of transferred the process into my head, and I spent a lot of time uh, with my headphones, um, really moving little figures of dancers, bodies of dancers in my head. In my head. I only had one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, but also uh, um, working through the score, analyzing music, and uh, trying to, to see what, what rhythm I need to create um, with. So, but, um, you know, you can have a preset idea and then you come to the 
you see that with most businesses. And then it's uh, very much in cooperation with the dancers. And in any case, the idea that I give them, it all depends on how they shape it. And um, some dancers, like City Valley dancers, for example, or Paris opera dancers, or Bolshevik Marinsky, they have very clear and specific way of shaping the steps, the musicality, the attack, uh, the transitions, and so on. And I love that. Yeah. I think it's very beautiful when the style is very specific, style of dancing. Uh, but in other companies, it's more generic. It's more like a mixture of different styles. And then I probably be more Giving them my own my own idea of origination and uh, trying them to trying to help them to imitate my way of moving until they feel comfortable in it. For a piece like this that has a, a weight to it and it's and a bit of an objective coming from you, on day one did you talk to the cast about um, the origins of the piece or just start with movement? No, just start with the smoking. Okay. They got it anyway, but yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah, few words come up here and there. I I don't want to over. Right. Um, what's the word? Oh, over describe. Over describe. Yeah, yeah giving them too much. Uh, I think it's nice when the piece develops organically, and also when I see something good, something exciting, I encourage that and uh, try them to really um, feel. Uh, make the material their own so they can develop it without um, destroying the structure. Yeah. I love that one day I watched you, they were getting up off the floor and somebody did it without using their hands and somebody used their hands and he said, well, which one is more interesting? And everyone was like, the hard one. So <laughs> that's what they're doing. Most of the times it's yeah. the hard one. Yeah. It's, more interesting. <laughs> it's true. Sure. First of all, thank you so much for giving us a, a, a sense of what's going on in the country. I'm just, I'm still kind of processing all of that, so asking a mundane question seems a little bit weird. But um, I'm curious, from what you said about working with different com companies, what have you noticed about PMB? A good question. A compliment to the insights Alexei's given to Ukraine. Um, but what have you noticed particularly about working with PMB? Um, honest, energetic, and uh, um, it's a very much a balancing company. I wonder why. <laughs> it's a compliment. But yeah, the the attack is wonderful. Yeah, the attack and musicality. Mm -hmm. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I figured I could. <laughs> well, what's he gonna say in this crowd? <laughs> I think we might have time for two more if we have. Anything you're curious about? Sure. Yeah. Not so much a question, but a comment. Uh, I still love so much your staging of Don Quixote for the Het Nationals because it brought that to life to so much reality with the uh, the core dancers uh, looking like a real scene that you might see somewhere compared to the very rigid uh, kinds of staging that was done in other, I've seen so many Don Q's, I've probably seen six or eight. And I just love your Don Q, I think it's fantastic. Thank you, thank you. 
That was a fun process. And how many people in this audience saw Can Be Your Don Quixote? Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was fun. And also the mixture moving um, Tom Scared and Alan Galley into the cast. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. yeah we're we're going to bring it back. <laughs> and, uh, yes, in the back. Thank you for talking with us, Alexei. It was a pleasure for all.